Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast, the show where we talk exclusively about Watford FC. My name is Matt Messiano and joining me today are show regulars, football analyst Jordan Weimer and football journalist Tom Bodell. Uh, well, Watford won again yesterday. Let's talk about the performance first, though. How was that performance, Jordan? I thought the first half was brilliant. Um, I think Rotherham were, were quite bad, um, for being honest. They weren't, they weren't great, but... On the other hand, I think that was a game that maybe six months ago we might have really struggled to kind of impose ourselves on. And I think from the start yesterday, we looked quite dominant. Um, we were able to get numbers forward really well. We pulled Rotherham around. And, and, you know, the second half trailed off a little bit. But I think by that point, we were very comfortably ahead. And it's all about preserving preserving the legs of those in the field. I thought we used the bench quite well. And we managed to kind of move some players around and give some rests uh, to some players and get some players on and give them some minutes. I thought we did a good job of managing the game as a whole. Um, so yeah, I think all in all pretty positive and it's uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting feeling to be on kind of a little bit more positive going into them away games, especially ones like that where you kind of feel it has that, that feel of a Wickham away where we really struggled. I think we managed to do a good job of avoiding that trap and uh, yeah, pretty positive. Tom Schrouter scored a, a header, a powerful header, actually past Blackman. Mm. But uh, it was all about the cross from uh, from Zinkenagel, and uh, this is going to be a continuing theme throughout the goals as we go through them. But uh, Philip Zinkenagel, uh, he, he was on he was on fire today, wasn't he? Yeah, he was he was really really good, and uh, we've all been obviously keen to see more of him. And you know, early on when he was getting those cameos off the bench, I think we were all sort of crying out to see him in his natural position when he was coming on sort of on the left or coming on in the centre midfield but he you know he's really brought something to the centre midfield there hasn't he the, the the kind of role he he plays the role he performs in in that three and, and enabled to do so by you know the discipline and sort of awareness and whatnot of, of Will Hughes sitting in there and, and being the deepest of those three he was you know he was absolutely fantastic yesterday and I think officially two assists but obviously played a big part in in the second goal as well, didn't he? Mm. But the the ball in for Sierra Alta, I mean, that is just kind of what an invitation to someone like him, centre half. Obviously, we know so aerially dominant to put a ball in like that it was it was a beaut, wasn't it? And the one that he put in for was it Chalabar header that was saved and then eventually popped in um, by Schmeidersar. You know, that was that was another absolute dream of a ball. So he, he's brought something, brought something different to the team. And I think all the kind of excitement and all the kind of hype and, you know, perpetuated by the, the work that Jordan did to, to really dig into him when we knew he was signing um, has, has, has been vindicated because, you know, he's, I think he's getting better by the week, really. Do you guys think it was interesting last night as well? Not just last night, actually, just in general with, with him playing in that central position. It's When we talked about how important it was to get on that right-hand side, I do still, I think most people still feel that is his best position. But it's interesting to me that he's kind of occupied that left-hand side more when he's played in the central midfield. But, you know, see both the assists that come from that left-hand area where he's cutting into that right foot and kind of swinging in that cross. It's kind of interesting we're not using him on that right-hand side. It's probably more of a testament to how good Saar and Kiko have been as that pair. But I, I think mm. it's really helping us to have that that support on the left. Because I think at times 
I think maybe Massner and Semmer haven't really been able to replicate that kind of dominance on the wing. Um, Semmer's been very effective for you know a lot of this season, but I think Massner doesn't quite offer that support. So I think having Zinkenegel kind of being able to go there and link up the Semmer and, and drift onto that left-hand side and cutting into that right-hand, that right foot, sorry, um, gives him a nice angle. And I think he's, he's using it quite well, even though it's not naturally... Well, normally where we probably see most of his production come from, I think it's 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 quite a good balance we're finding by doing that. And that's that's something we talked about is how do you get these players into the team and get the most out of them? And that's what we maybe lacked earlier parts of the season. But I think now, even though some of these position changes were enforced, I think we're finding that better balance and, and Zinkenegel kind of operating that left hand that left area has been pretty good for us. Yeah, and it was a really good finish from Sarah as well for that second goal because it, it that's not an easy that's not an easy ball to hit, is it? And he kind of stroked it with his, with his like with the inside of his foot, and he was able to direct it back towards goal. And I think that's you know a, a real credit to him because that's part of his game that I didn't know he had. So uh, it, you know it was it was, a, it was good to see. I think that's important to get started in the box. He's a goal threat. He, he can create a lot of goals. We've seen got, get a lot of crosses in, but you know he's he's got the ability to shoot and, and beat the keeper, and that's a prime example. As you say, it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy finish at all. In football reporting parlance, I think that finish he wrapped that finish home didn't he it's a sort of word that you only hear in that in that context it was it was a really nice finish actually probably quite a hard one to get as as right as he did but you know his ability and I think this was evident you know in all the front three and Zinkanagel and you know really everyone last night it showed didn't it that we were a team that were in the Premier League last season a lot of those players and Rotherham were a team that were in League One and that the quality difference was very very evident but the point is that hasn't always been the case at times this season. You know, we really laboured to wins against uh, inferior teams earlier in the season. Obviously, the, the Rotherham home game, can't remember it. That probably speaks speaks volumes. I know we won 2-0, Cabasoli and Dini, but I couldn't tell you any more than that. And it feels like there were a lot of those games earlier in the season. And, you know, credit where credit's due, we've... we've We've stepped up and really sort of made our superiority count in in the last um, last month or so. That's a thirty one percent probability on that SAR goal. What info goal has it down as? Oh right, really? Which is yeah, makes it even better, doesn't it? Really? I think it's a tough angle. A tough angle on the you know, bouncing up in the air on his weak foot. I think it's yeah. A, yeah, it's a really strong finish. I think you kind of overlook it because it's I don't know. There's something because it was kind of had that there's a space to it. It's close to goals. A space you can kind of see him making, but. I mean, you put half, I mean, the majority of our squad in that position, they're not finishing that chance. We've missed so many, so many good chances at, at early stages in the season. It, it's good to see us kind of capitalising and taking them. I mean, it's one of the few games it feels like where we actually overperform our expected goals in, in the game. I think we had an XG rating of 3.36. Obviously, we scored four goals, which is which is great to see um, because, you know, how many times have we kind of underperformed in that in that, in that that area? Um, so having players that are finishing chance, chances, it's just, you know, it's refreshing. And I think so goal was you know a prime example of, of what can happen if you get those players in the right position mm. and then Watford uh, who are on fire at this point they scored a third uh, in the second half uh, this time uh, from a corner and, and Watford haven't scored too many corners this season correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think I don't think they've scored too many um, and it was another great delivery from Zinkenagel who found Ken Semmer, who I felt was um, having having a better day than, than he has had uh, in recent games. Yeah, really good, really, really good finish. And I, I agree, I thought I thought he was he was a bit more at it yesterday, wasn't he, Ken Semmer? He got um, mm. you know, got between the the wing back Matthew Sunday and, and the 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 centre half on that side and sort of ran at people and you know, I just I just thought as as a three, they really couldn't live with with them and and the support that Zinkenagel gave as well. I was just going to touch on on something that um that Jordan said about you know the kind of giving us another option down the left because so much of our attacks so many of our attacks have come down the right. I thought yesterday was one of the few instances where it wasn't just um in recent memory anyway where it wasn't just the Kiko and Sar show was it down down the right you know there was a a lot more balance. So normally you look at those sort of like flank attack graphics and it's so lopsided in favour of the right in terms of the kind of the volume of play that goes down that side and the, the threat that comes from it but actually yesterday there was a there was a far greater um, sort of balance than there has been for a long time. And then just as we thought uh, it was it was going to be an easy one Trustekong who uh, I don't know he, he gave away the penalty and it felt like the challenge didn't need to be made at that point I don't know it maybe I'm being a bit overly critical here but um, uh, it seemed like he didn't need to make that challenge because the Reverend player wasn't really posing a threat at that point. I don't know, what, what was your view on it, Jordan? 
Yeah, I know what you're saying. He was going away from goal and didn't didn't necessarily need to make a challenge. But I feel like he also was pretty confident that he could he could go for the ball, perhaps make contact in the ball. And if not, he wasn't really in too much danger. In, in my opinion, he wasn't in too much danger of giving away the penalty. Um, but, you know, there's definitely an argument for saying there's no need. He's going away from goal. You can just jockey him out and push him to that sideline. That's exactly where you want him, especially a player like Smith on the ball. He's not, not someone that's going to be a particular threat in that wide area. He's not going to turn back and beat you. You're probably pretty safe just pushing him out wide. But then the penalty was so soft. I have that, I have a lot of sympathy for a Kong in that situation. I think it's it very soft. difficult it to account soft. for. It was extremely soft. I mean... I think the I think the, the time between the, the the challenge and the alleged contact and the ref and the referee blowing the whistle was quite evident that there was no real conviction in the decision. I think it was it, it was a very strange one, um, and I think it was quite unfortunate on the Kong. I don't really put too much blame on him, but yeah, I, I can definitely see your point that maybe you can just keep your foot down and, and push him into a less dangerous area because he didn't really seem like he he was too compromised in that initial kind of phase in the box. It's the sort of penalty that in the Championship, you're not sure if it's going to be given. But in the Premier League, it's definitely getting given because VAR is going to review that and, and see the contact and, and give it. So to be fair, it was a good spot by the referees. But like you say, when you when you see that kind of challenge, you think, oh, you know, was that really enough to give a penalty? But at the same time, if there's, if there's contact made, I mean, if that's, um, you know, if that's Sartre in, in their box, I want that penalty. So I, I know what the Rotherham fans would be saying, if you know, when they see it. It's just the thing with VAR, isn't it? I mean, I mean, obviously, don't open the whole another discussion VAR necessarily, <laughs> but I, th- I think when there's a nuance to it that's not picked up by the camera necessarily, I think there should be. It's a contact sport to some degree, at least, and I think there should be some understanding of the fact that there might be some contact between the two players, but it's not necessarily a foul. I mean, if that happened in midfield. And, and Smith stayed up. I know it's a cliche to say that, but it, it's, it's true. If it happened in the field and Smith didn't go down, there'd be no foul given there at all, not even mm. a consideration of a foul. It's just a very, I don't know, I, th- I think it hampers the game somewhat. And I understand, of course, if the, the way things are, if that happened in the, at the other end and it was on side, then yeah, sure, you're going to you know, ask for that penalty and you're going to you know, hope, hopefully get it. But I think all things considered, I think it's a, it's a negative to have that sort of light contact and, and, and get so heavily penalised for it um, and you know you, you could say it's a good spot but I kind of think it's a I don't know it's such a strange one it's, it's a difficult one to kind of put your finger on because for me it's not a penalty at all um, but then by the letter of the law if there's some contact then it is it's just a very much a grey area yeah I mean that they, it, it certainly needs looked at again doesn't it particularly if Watford do manage to to get promotion you know they'll be facing those kinds of things week in week out with, with VAR and like you said that's a whole can of worms that we won't open today but I've not actually recovered from VAR yet I, I, <laughs> I was saying in the um, I did a clubhouse before the game and I was saying in that the, the Adam Aston and winner we scored last against Cardiff in the last game I kind of wasn't celebrating it's kind of sad I wasn't celebrating instantly because I was kind of looking waiting for VAR to kind of come back and check something because the way mm. the, the ball went in was there a foul on the keeper or it just that kind of delayed reaction it's just uh, yeah I'm still kind of uh, suffering with the, <laughs> the after effects of VAR still it has been nice this season not having to worry about that yeah uh regardless the penalty was given though and um tom it was another fantastic backman save we know he can do them we've seen him mm. you know in, in the cup produce save after save but um it's the first time i've made, seen him make a penalty save in, in the league uh unless i've got that completely wrong um and uh you know he guessed correctly it wasn't a great penalty in 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 the way that it was taken but all the goalkeeper has to do is you know is is do their best, make the save if they can, and you know he he did exactly what was asked of him. Yeah, it was the um, the cliched good height for a goalkeeper, wasn't it? Mm. That the, that they struck that he struck it, but um, you know, look, he's he's there to save it, and 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 kind of the confidence that we have in him as a goalkeeper was was a, became apparent to me. I thought I reckon he's probably going to save this. I was I was half expecting him to save it almost, which is obviously ridiculous, you know. Um, penalties are a, is it 0.77 uh, xg value so you know sort of 75 percent or more likely to go in um it, you, you don't expect goalkeepers to save them but he, he's built such a reputation now and i'm pretty sure and this may very well be wrong and people will tell me if it, i'm wrong i would desperately try to look it up in advance but failed i'm pretty sure did he not have some sort of penalty heroics at kilmarnock as well uh, when he was on loan up there, obviously a couple of seasons ago, and did very well. I, I think that's right. Not hundred percent sure, but anyway, um, we obviously know that this is this is a real strength of his. And I note that he has been called up 
to the senior Austria squad. Um, I'm not sure if it's the first time or not. His Wikipedia page has him down as a current Austrian international since 2017, even though he's not won his first cap yet. What I would say is that's one of 43 players they've called up because of quarantining rules and one of five goalkeepers, which seems a bit extreme. But either way, a nice recognition for, for how well he's evidently done over the last month or so. And we had this discussion in the last pod about whether Foster should come back in or not. And there was a bit of a debate about that. But uh, does this add further credibility to the case of uh, Batman retaining them one spot? I don't think it hurts it. Um, I mean, for me, it's still the same. The same. I feel the same. I still feel that Backman deserves to to be in to be in there. And I think if he if he hadn't saved that penalty last night, I'd still feel exactly the same. Um, I, I like you know, I'm a fan of Ben Foster. He's been great for us. But I think if you're looking at if you're looking at long term, I think you have to. I think you have to do that to some degree. Even if the you know the immediate short term, you might be thinking about promotion. I don't think Backman hurts us in in that cause. I think he still offers a lot. He might you know he might not possess some of the skills that the Foster does. But I think right now, such a big component of this the, the results we've been getting has been the kind of application from the team. Um, as a whole, as a collective, and I think having the likes of Backman earn his place in there, and you know he, he's had a big impact in that back four, in my opinion. And I think, I think it sends the wrong message to drop him. Um, I don't think it helps things right now. Even if you get a marginal gain in in ability of the actual player, I think the, I think what you get from from the camp as a whole by including Backman and, and letting him retain that place that he's earned, I think is is more beneficial to the squad, um, especially coming into the, you know these last few fixtures, which are going to be massive. I think you need the sort of characters like Daniel Backman I think he's he's got something about him which kind of gives me a little bit of confidence in there and I think he adds something to the squad not just on the pitch as well I think he adds something as a complete player as a leader and I think he's he's important to us now I don't know if he's necessarily going to be ahead of Foster but I, it must put him in pole position ahead of Pontus Stahlberg who's obviously a bit younger and been out on loan for when Foster, in that kind of battle, when Foster eventually leaves, retires, whatever it may be. So it's, it's not done him any harm. Yeah, last season there was definitely a, a conversation as to whether Backman or, or Dahlberg was going to be the, the number three effectively. And then once Gomez had gone, it would be right, who's going to be, who's going to be that number mm. two, who's going to step up? Um, and then once Backman got himself into the first team, he's, he's streets ahead of, of Dalberg now, which is disappointing for, for for him because obviously I'm sure he was hoping to be, you know, involved in the squad next season. And, and he, he might still be because, you know, Foster isn't going to be going on forever. He's, you know, he's pretty, pretty old now, even for goalkeeper. But, uh, you know, it's, it's good to know that, um, that, that Backman has been able to basically take that step and, and some people weren't sure if he was going to be able to do that and, but you know I think everyone's pretty much 100% confident with him now I think Backman's also just at that age where he, he's going to be playing football he needs to be playing football and there's enough there's enough tape of him now that other clubs are going to be interested in him should he be a player that's you know become available um, I think if you go down if you're looking to go down, go down the Ben Foster route and, and play him another season next season you're kind of resigning yourself to losing Backman in my opinion I don't think you, you could keep on to him I think you probably you try and make some money off of him and you and you have Dolberg as number two but then at the end of next season you find yourself in the same situation again um, maybe that's not you know at the forefront of Shishko's mind, um, he's more looking at the immediate, you know, future and deciding who's best for the role. But I think if you were the club looking at this, you kind of would like, in some ways, to probably stick with Backman and kind of keep that asset around. So I think if you're looking over the next three, four, five seasons, he's probably he's your guy that's going to give you that return. Whereas Foster, you're kind of just kicking the can down the road. You have to make a decision in twelve months' time or so, and it's you know the same same situation again. It'd also be taking a risk as well, wouldn't it? Because we haven't properly seen Dalberg in the in the English leagues and to say okay Dalberg you're going to be the next cab on the rank here because Foster might be gone up you know after a season I think it's it's safer just to stick with Backman isn't it it is yeah and also you know you could go that route or you might be having to look in the transfer markets try and bring a new keeper in if you don't feel great on on Dahlberg so you know you might end up losing considerable money on that you're not going to sell Foster if he when he leaves us he's most likely going to end in retirement um, unless he leaves us this summer and maybe has a one-year deal with another club. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think you've kind of really got to be a bit pragmatic with it. I think we're in quite a good situation at back when I think transitioning from a retiring age goalkeeper can be quite difficult, especially 
especially in, in the situation we're in, we're kind of floating between two divisions right now. I think Backman is one of the rare situations we have a backup that comes in at a good age um, and, and you feel quite comfortable that they can, they can play in either division for you, which is, you know, I think you've got to take advantage of that and especially during the kind of financial transfer climate we're in right now. If you can avoid having to fork out a fee or if you've got a ready-made replacement, I think that's got to be, you know, a priority for you. Yeah, so Backman made that save and, and all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, that's it. It's going to be a clean sheet. Absolutely nothing can can get in this goal now. And then <laughs> not long later, there was a further twist in the tail as Rotherham did score. A great solo effort from Ladapo, to, to, be, to be fair to him. But how about that reaction from Watford, though? So fast, the cameras didn't even pick it up. And Dan Gosling, on as a sub, tucked home the initially uh, saved shot from Gray. I mean, that, that reaction, guys, that's exactly what you want to see, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm almost I'm almost happy that Rotherham got the goal just to see that reaction from Watford um, because that sort of reaction tells me just how much they want to keep fighting, you know, even though that it, it was still likely they were going to win that 3-1, but they, they wanted to get back in again and, and they did it almost immediately. Such an important goal, wasn't it? Because 3-1 and, you know, missed the penalty as well. You suddenly start thinking, oh, is there a way back into the game, you know, for them? But 4-1 just slaps them back down, doesn't it? It says no, shuts the door in their face. Absolutely no chance. Great reaction. And, you know, second time in a week that they've not, obviously not as quick and, and not as devastatingly quick at Cardiff, but the, the Chalabar goal, obviously, as we touched on at the time, came very quickly. Um, after the own goal and it was you know similar sort of thing yesterday in, in terms of closing the game out I, I think it's really positive we, we touched in the last game um, after the Cardiff win and just how those little kind of those last minute winners or those little moments of, of fortune can just really change change the mindset of the players and just a slight adjustment in that can really change how, how things pan out and I think they, there starts to become a belief within the team that you're always only, you know, a couple of touches away from getting a shot on goal and, and possibly scoring. And we saw that, I think, under Gracia, we had a really good spell of that. Um, we, we always kind of felt like going into the last few minutes of the game, there's always a chance we can get a goal. And I think it, it just breeds a, a positivity and energy um, where so often in, in the beginning parts of the season, it looked like players were kind of shirking resp- responsibility and, and not wanting to kind of take that ball on and maybe kind of passing off and, and passing away that responsibility of kind of getting towards goal. But now I feel like everyone's kind of very positive and looking to, to get forward. And we saw that, as you say, straight from straight from kickoff, we're kind of pushing on and we're, we're looking to be proactive and, and aggressive and we get the rewards for it. So I think it's a really good sign. And that's exactly what you need if you're going to be kind of pushing for that top two spot because you're going to have to win a lot of games. You're going to have to score in some difficult moments. And there's no harder moment to score in in some ways than than when you've just conceded. I know it's a cliche um, to talk about, you know, conceding just after you score the goal, but I think it is a difficult thing to do. You don't see it actually that often anymore. So to go out there and do that, I I think it shows a uh, a lot of character that's in this squad. We've discussed already um, about how how good Sar's been this season, and it's uh, it's quite interesting to note actually that uh, he, he went off injured, didn't he? And it's one of the rare instances that uh, he hasn't completed the the full ninety. Uh, I'm going to steal a stat from you here, Tom. He's started thirty three of the thirty seven fixtures, and he's only been subbed five times. Um, but they were being a bit cagey after the game. Really, Cisco Minus was um, in terms of how how Star's doing from that uh, little knock. Um, uh, if he's not fit enough to, you know, to, to start the next game, do you think that that could be the chance for Zinconagel to play on that right-hand side? Or has he been so good where he's been playing since he's, since he's come in that it would be a risk to move him from, from where he's currently playing? That's a really good question. I hadn't considered it. I must admit, I, I, I heard the audio of, of Minos saying that Sort of dancing around the the Sar thing, saying you know it might be a little bit tired. He's our Superman, and, and so on and so forth. Um, a little bit concerning, isn't it? But yeah, I would probably move him regardless. In Canagle, I think you've now got a little bit more depth there in in the centre midfield, haven't you? With uh, with Carlos Sanchez signing and 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 Chalabar being back from suspension, so it's not quite as desperate as it once was. Um, potential to upset things, I suppose, but he's. Really and truly, unless you put uh, Isaac's success in one of those sort of wide roles, he's probably the only natural fit, isn't he? We we do rather lack out and out wingers um, in in the current squad. I think Gosling coming back gives them the flexibility to do that too, doesn't it? 
Um, it, it would be a shame in some ways. I think having that, I think you'd get the most out of Zinkenegel having on the right-hand side, definitely. But having that extra level of creativity in the centre has been pretty useful for us. Um, I think Gosling and Chalaber are very good when you're looking to kind of stop other teams building up against you. I think having them two, them two players in forward areas that are going to press the opposition is really useful when teams look at the build. But when you're playing the likes of Rotherham and, and Birmingham coming up, I think it benefits you to have that creative ball player in midfield, especially when it's drifting into them wide areas and making it really hard because it's a different, it's a different approach you have to take to beat those teams. Um, so coming into this one, I think it'd be quite good to keep the likes of Zinkenegel in there. Um, but if he's forced into that right-hand side, you kind of got to kind of work out how you balance that middle now. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see, but I, th I think you're right, it's kind of a difficult situation. Having said that, I also think that there's a very good chance the Stars actually find and starts the game anyway. Uh, the game yesterday also uh, showed that um, Watford still have a little bit of a weakness when dealing with set pieces, and um, Rotherham actually were were quite interesting with, with the way that they were deploying their set pieces. Tom, you've had a little look at this. Tell us uh, a little bit more about what, what you think Rotherham were up to yesterday. Yeah, it was different, wasn't it? I've certainly um, the, in the early stages they forced a few, and they did. The, I think it was either the first or second corner they forced they were all sort of positioned on one um one corner of the penalty area almost weren't they and they sort of went in almost a bit like the uh the famed england um was it england love train that they had uh <laughs> at the world cup in 2018 and then later in the second half they had nobody in the penalty area except one guy i think that i'm right in saying and then they all sort of burst in it's it, it was interesting to see i don't know if it necessarily caused us huge problems in the way that we saw against Derby for instance a few weeks back now but it was it was certainly interesting to to see something different because you do tend to see variation on a theme don't you either you know into the near post into the far post or a short corner you know it, it was it was interesting to see a little bit of ingenuity and I wonder if it was something that they had worked on uh, specifically for us or if it, I, I've not done my research well enough to be able to tell you whether it was something that they've been doing all season and then equally just worth touching on that we evidently tried a couple of slightly different things didn't we it was it was mentioned in commentary on Hive Live with, with uh, Tommy Mooney that um, Zinkenagel you know a few sort of different um, signals to the usual kind of two hands one hand whatever Um one almost paid off. We sort of fizzed, whipped it into the near post. And I think it was João Pedro that um, that flicked it on. So yeah, it was it was interesting to see some some slightly different uh, things to normal. I did quite enjoy the the wall of death from <laughs> from Rotherham as well. They just hang on oh, the yes. box. They just ran. And, yeah, that was it's interesting. And I think you've got to see that kind of. You got you got to see teams being innovative in those situations. I think the championship's always been a good good breeding ground for that sort of thing. And we've discussed numerous times in this podcast the kind of fine margins in this league make the difference. And if that's enough to get them two three goals extra this season, it could be the difference between relegation and not. So yeah, I kind of respect the fact they're going for that. And you know, ours for a slight difference, but I mean, I'm still not. I'm not. I've not really ever been very convinced about our set pieces for a long time that it's particularly well worked on or, or really used to kind of find an advantage I think probably it's definitely made a bigger frustration perhaps in the Premier League when it, it was such fine margins for us I mean we weren't winning games by big score lines I think if we could have been a little bit more effective from set pieces it really could have been enough to change league positions you know quite easily but it's quite likely it could have done had we scored a couple more goals in them situations so I think I'd like us to get a little bit better with those um, I think a big part of that comes down from having the consistent delivery to work off if you're going to have a set piece routine you've got to be pretty sure the ball's going to come into the box and in the area you need it that's the first thing um, but clearly last night we tried to do a few things differently so there's at least some some positive signs there mm, Yeah the defence certainly starting to get to grips with um, with what opposition teams are throwing at it. Um, one of the defenders that um, was notable in his absence, at least from the bench, was Ben Wilmot. And, um, you know, I felt like this season was going to be his breakthrough year and, and uh, he kind of started out that way under Ivic, but he hasn't really been involved much since Cisco Munoz has come in. Um, what's your feelings towards that, guys? I think it's twofold. It's one, that Sir Alta came in for his very first game uh, against Norwich all that time ago, which does seem like a long time ago now, did so well. It's been kind of harsh to drop him ever since. And the partnership that he's seemingly 
what's the word I'm looking for, worked on with uh, with Trista Kong has been pretty good on the whole. We've talked about defence being, you know, defensive record at least being pretty good. I think the other thing is simply that we're not playing the back three anymore, are we? So there's there's a few opportunities to kind of rotate and, you know, you take one out of a three and it's not the end of the world, I don't think. If you take one out of a two, then you're breaking up a partnership every single week, aren't you? And, you know, certainly in the early weeks of the season, we saw a bit more rotation there um, from Vladimir Ivic and that, that hasn't kind of been been the case uh, or hasn't you know been applicable since we went to the back four. Um, it's a little bit unfortunate. I suspect uh, he is going to be the kind of big loser if we stick with the back four because I don't know about you guys, but and I'd be interested to hear what you both think. I, I, I'd be surprised if Cabasali or Cathcart suddenly moved on either. So then you've still got five into two which doesn't go it's <laughs> a, a, a observation at the end there uh, Tom um, yeah <laughs> no I think strong suit yeah I loved how you wasn't quite sure about it and then you're like, was it does it go no. yeah there's a good level of confidence in the end I thought um, yeah I think Ben Wilmot I do feel I do feel sorry for him I, th- I think that I think how combative a con and Syriata can be as a pair is been the big part of that. I think a lot of the teams we've faced recently have been quite direct. The likes of Cardiff, you know, it really does suit having someone like Trista Kong in there. But I do think Ben Wilmot still, I do think he offers something in, in the passing game, which the others don't. Um, I, I do think that you could look at that as being a plus for him and, and, a, and a route into the team. And you're looking to have a lot of the ball and maybe start playing out from the back and, and getting the ball into midfield a little bit earlier. Um, I think the thing is... Will Hughes dropping into that deeper position has compensated for that need of a ball playing centre back quite quite well. Um, he, he's able to drop deep and pick up the ball, and that's where most of the attacks start from. Whereas in previous in previous matches when we were playing that four four two or or even under Ivic, we had that the, the ball a lot on them outside centre backs and that three five two. There's a lot more pressure on them than defenders to kind of play that ball into midfield and break them lines. But when you have Will Hughes dropping in there, most of the, most of the passes the centre backs are playing are either out to the fullback or just dropping it into into Hughes. You saw quite a few times last night. There's one example in particular where Syriata's kind of pushing up midfield, gets to the halfway line instead of passing, he just you know just has a two-yard pass into Will Hughes and, and lays it off and then the ball continues from there. It's just we don't have the same emphasis or need for that centre-back with a ball-playing ability right now. Uh, so I think he's been a little bit unlucky um, uh, you know, that Will Hughes has kind of adopted that new role. But for me, I still think he's a good player. He's young enough and there's, there's always going to be the opportunity that he comes in and plays. I don't think that midfield position that's been talked about is, is quite right for him. Um, but I, I would like to see him play at centre-back and, and get a few minutes towards the end of the season, definitely. Are you guys both confident in um, in Truste Kong? I, I I feel like maybe I'm being a bit critical again here, but I, I've just seen in in a, in a few games he sometimes I'm just not confident that he that he's not going to make a mistake somewhere. I, I thought he had a slightly rough game against Cardiff. Um, there's a few times he kind of takes a touch and just kind of puts him into trouble and he doesn't look quite comfortable and I think kind of what I was going back to he's a combative centre-back he's going to win his duels he's going to be physical he's 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 got he reads the game well defensively he gets in the right positions and I think he's a good communicator I think maybe where he lets you down is where Ben Wilmot kind of excels and that's in that passing game and getting into the position to receive the ball being confident in the ball I think maybe Trooster Kong he can be a little bit rough around the edges. Um, he can have some. He, he can have a feel of Cabaselli to him in, in some of those situations, but uh, I think it's bright. I think it, I understand why you'd have a little bit of um, maybe hesitance on on Trusta Kong there. But I think it's kind of a, a weighing up the you know the balance of what you want in in most situations. Do you want to kind of rely on that combative centre back or, or someone that can that can pl- play with the ball a little bit more, but maybe isn't quite as strong in those challenges. And I think we've kind of just gone down the route of we want our centre-backs to win the ball back and everyone else around them will do the passing game. But on occasion, it does it does leave you in a, in a difficult situation because Trusta Kong has been exposed a few times, uh, more so than Syriata, who's actually very efficient on the ball. Um, whilst he's not particularly progressive, but that he's very, very efficient once he does have the ball at his feet. He's, he doesn't often give it away. Tom, if all five of those centre-backs are fit... Um... Is the pairing of Ekong and Seralta your your first choice or would you choose someone else? It's a really good question because I haven't given it thought for so long because they've been um, so settled. I do- oh. Right now it's Seralta plus one 
I think I think probably everyone would agree on that. Mm. I, 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 and please shout up if you don't. I don't know if Trista Kong is the centre half I'd want to see next to him in the Premier League. If without running away with ourselves and you know assuming we're going to be promoted, but then I don't know if it's any of the others either. I always think Cabaselli's got a bit of a rick in. Him and is is not very durable at all. Just you know, seems to constantly be injured. Craig Cathcart's solid enough, but uh, you know, he's solid is the word. I don't think his passing's particularly progressive either. As, as Jordan was sort of saying about Trista Kong and Trista Kong, we obviously know his passing isn't great. Ben Wilmot's the one that kind of excites me in the long term, but you know, is he ready to suddenly after you know he had a bit of time at Swansea, didn't he, before he got injured, and then he's sort of had the first half of this season and then been out of it. You know, it's very inexperienced. So for now, yes, in the long term, I wouldn't be opposed to us signing another centre-half in the summer, even though I've just said five into two doesn't go. We have, we've kind of built, we built a, a, a central defence kind of quite well for the championship. It all depends. And if, you, if you're talking about getting promoted and being in the Premier League, it all depends what we're trying to do in the Premier League, how we're trying to play. I think if we're, you've got two options really, don't you? You have the, the option of going up trying to you know be quite conservative be that kind of more defensive team like we saw under Kike Sanchez Flores when we, when we got promoted last time we kind of can be a little bit more compact play a little bit deeper and then kind of rely on some little bit of quality up front to kind of get you the get you the goals you need but if you kind of try to go up there and maybe approach it the way that Norwich have done we try to continue that that championship form of playing and then being a little bit more aggressive then you have to you maybe have to upgrade that centre back position in terms of what they've got on the ball and maybe we need to upgrade and be a little bit faster in centre back if you're going to be playing higher at the pitch especially against Premier League forwards so you know you've got to really choose what you're doing but as of as of right now I think for a central defence in the championship I think we've got a good variety and a good few options but that is one position you maybe have to look at and and readdress and it might be it might while it's kind of our best group right now, it, you could argue it's at least transferable to the Premier League should we go up in some respects. I suppose the one centre-back we haven't talked about, and that's probably because we're resigned to the fact that he's he's not going to be with us for much longer, is, is Craig Dawson. Um, you know, but when we uh, when we let him go, we we were we were quite happy about it, I think, because in general, uh, that was the feeling with, with most Watford fans, that we'd uh, kind of managed to pull the rug over over West Ham's eyes, but he's been a revelation since he's since he's gone there, and um, I think lots of Watford fans would 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 take him back. But uh, do you think that he just plays better in in the Premier League? That style fits him better than the Championship, or or, or was he just not really given the time of day here when he, when he should have been? I've got a strong thought about Craig Dawson. I think I don't think he's a bad player at all. I just think he was associated with a horrible time. Right, he came in. You know, we. I think I was. I thought you know that seems like a good sign to me. He's always seemed like a good solid solid bottom end of the Premier League table defender you know muck and nettles no nonsense bread and butter all the cliches great scores a few goals as well we know I think he'll be perfect then we go and get turned over by Brighton on the first day of the season and he's culpable as part of that and we think hang on and then the horrible start which everybody is culpable for continues and continues and before you know it he's just he's you know he's he's kind of tarred with this brush of being an awful defender. I'm not saying he was at his best at any point last season, but he's tarred with this brush of being an awful defender because he's part of a team that no one has, no one has any fond memories about last season's team, right? Like if you do, then you've got a, a, a slightly masochistic. Liverpool was quite a fond memory, Tom. Oh yeah, Liverpool was quite <laughs> a fond memory. The last game I went to, to be fair, was Liverpool at all. So, all right, good point, Matt. Well done. Good, well done for keeping me on track, uh, uh, keeping me honest. But what I would say is after the restart, I thought he was one of our better players. Now, I'm not saying there's, you know, we should have kept him necessarily or we dragged him down. But I just think the perception of him has been overblown because of what he stood for, what he almost ended up symbolising. But I think we touched on him before. If you know, If we can net a few quid for him this summer then great. I think we've all kind of moved on. It's just a shame, but I'm happy that he's succeeding elsewhere. 
Yeah, I think that's spot on, isn't it? I think if you put any, if you just judge any one player from last season in over just that single season, it's very difficult. You never, Craig Dawson was never really in a position to to play his best football. And I think as he, as he touched on there, I think after the restart, I think he was one of the better players. Obviously, he chipped in with some important goals, and he was he was very good defensively. I think there's the game against Leicester, if I recall, he was very very solid defensively as well as is that the one you scored the overhead kick? The overhead kick. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think he had a good. A good spell. I think he's a good defender. I think he's a well-rounded, pretty balanced. Um, he's, he, from all accounts, he's very professional off the field. He looks after himself. He keeps himself in good condition. And I think he's a, a really good option to have in the Premier League squad in terms of cover and, and depth. And he adds a lot. Um, but for us, if you're looking at kind of moving assets on, he was one that's going to gain attention from the Premier League. He's at an age where we're not going to give him a, we're not going to get much, you know, much more for him than what we were being offered at that point. Um, and I think it was right for us to move on. He would have, I think he would have been good in the Championship, but I think we can get back to the Premier League. And then I don't feel amazingly comfortable with him being our starting centre back in the Premier League. And I know he's doing well for West Ham, but I think he's in a in an environment which very much suits where he is right now as a player. Um, and I, I think West Ham are playing at a level which kind of allows him to come in and, and, and play the role that he's good at to a, to a high level. So I think it all, you know, with players, it's so, it's so often about fit and circumstance. And I think Craig Dawson was very unlucky with us. Um, I don't have any harsh feelings towards him at all. I think he was quite good. But as you say, he was maybe kind of unfortunate to be one of the new signings and someone that we kind of hoped would improve that defence in a season where we were quite shambolic for, for large portions of it. So, you know, it's an unfortunate thing for Craig Dawson, but I think as a, as a deal, it, it suits us to move on for him. And it's a, it's a good, it's a good area for us to kind of pick up a few million, million pounds and maybe help out in some, some other areas of our team. Yeah. And just to clarify for, for those that, that aren't aware that there was a, um, a clause within that loan that, um, Meant based on uh, if Dawson met a certain amount of appearances, it would turn into a into a permanent transfer. Is that right, Jordan? That is correct. I can't recall off the top of my head now how many appearances that was, but he was only a couple away from triggering it the last time I mm. saw. So it looks I like think that it was only about only about fifteen, wasn't it? And he was one or oh, two okay. away. So, I mean, realistically, that's not a bad bit of business from us. If you think, what was it, a million pounds for the loan? Adam Leventhal reported, and then two million to make it permanent. Mm. And the the figure at the time was about five four between four and five million he cost us. So we've taken a slight hit on a player that's a year older and is you know as we've just sort of outlined damaged goods by that point. All all things considered, I don't think that's too too bad business from Watford in in Not sort of losses. There was more good fortune for for Watford yesterday evening when um, Brentford drew and Swansea lost, which now means that Watford are second and three points ahead of Swansea and five ahead of Brentford. Both of them, to be fair, still have a game in hand, but uh, I'm sure they'd both rather be in Watford's position than than their own at the minute. Uh, it, it's it's good news for Watford, guys. Uh, massive news, yeah. It's it's really important and. You know, obviously, as you say, they've got that game in hand, so they can catch up quite quickly. But having said that. I think it's it's vital we see these kind of these performances pay off for us and and the likes of Swansea where they've been overperforming somewhat for you know a large portion of this season. It seems like now maybe their luck's running out slightly. Having said that, they'll probably go and win their game in hand. We'll kind of be back in that situation again. But I think it was kind of it's kind of fair to say that if you watch the last few games as you know a lot of us have um, with Swansea, it's they've not been performing at a high level. They've kind of been just scraping by they've had some fortunate late last minute penalties and you know they've they've not really looked kind of that they should be kind of pushing that top two as much as the likes of Brentford I think Brentford personally I, I do still think they're the bigger threat and uh, I think they're they're the ones that are capable of kind of mounting that charge towards the end and, and putting them on the games together we saw you know midway through the season they had that massive run of, of under a massive undefeated run and they're perfectly capable of replicating that and doing that again going into the end of the season so that for me is the is the, is the main worry of course we still got to play both of them too mm. um so that gives us a little bit of room to kind of you know it, it can be in our hands as long as we keep up somewhat of this this level of performance we're going to get we're going to we're going to lose again for the end of the season we're going to draw again for the end of the season most likely but so are they too so if we can find find a way to kind of keep that competitive edge and just keep our head above water then you know there's every chance but ultimately we're in the best position now and we, we've got our points on the board yeah Brentford and Swansea could, could catch up but we, I think we could just we're in that patch of form now where I feel quite confident I feel quite good in the players that that we can continue that um, and, and leave it kind of on Swansea and, and Brentford to be the ones that have to kind of keep pushing us. 
Yeah, and with a better goal difference ahead of Swansea, it's completely in our hands now, Tom, isn't it? So it's it's up to us to 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 carry on in the way we're going. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot was made recently of Man City's fantastic winning run, and rightly so. And obviously, we're not going to achieve or highly unlikely we're going to achieve that probably a mathematical impossibility we could match that now but to win eight in nine is is good form by anyone's measure and you know we've come into this patch of form at absolutely the right um time of the season and, and as jordan said you know points on the boards over over games in hand is is the preference whoever you are so we're, we're you know we're currently in, in control of second spot it's up to us to make sure that we just keep doing what we're doing and, and winning it. Uh, obviously, we know we've got a, a very hard run in with the the kind of three teams around us in the final four, isn't it? We've got a couple of games prior to then against other teams at the bottom of the league. So we we just got to make sure we're in the best best position that we can be by then. I would say, I, linking back to a question that we had in a few weeks ago um, about the kind of the sustainability of, of Swansea's results i was uh i was listening to the not the top 20 podcast which is always excellent for your efl uh insight uh, hopefully we won't have to listen to it beyond the end of this season but it is it's always <laughs> good um they had a, a chat right in tweeting right into them as if this is the 90s uh tweet into them about who's a swansea fan saying you know how are we getting away from with this we're being you know we're awful week in week out and we just keep finding a way to win well obviously we know uh, we know now, off, off the back of yesterday, that they got they got thumped by Bournemouth. So I just wonder if they're going to now, you know, have that kind of regression to the mean and 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 potentially get the results that their performances have deserved over the last few weeks. So it'd be very interesting to see how they uh, react to that one. Yep. Uh, next up then for Watford, it's Birmingham City, twenty uh, first. Probably not too dissimilar team to to the Rotherham side that we've uh, that we've just played. It's. Uh, it's never a game that you should you should sort of just pick out and say that's definitely a win, but it's certainly a very good opportunity for Watford to end on a high before this little uh, international break. Yeah, I think it's as you say, it's they're in a similar situation to Rotherham. I think they've been very very poor from what I've seen of Birmingham in recent weeks. But then I know they disappointed Lee Bayer last night as well, didn't they? So it's you know you do worry they're going to have that instant bounce back, bounce back a second. You play them and no team likes likes facing a, an opposition with a, a new coach or new new manager in charge. So it'd be interesting to see. I think Bayer will definitely improve things. I think it's hard to get too much worse than where they were with Karanka, honestly. Um, so it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, obviously, we have the the capability to to win that game, but I don't think it's going to be quite as easy as we as we'd hoped. Um, it's not quite there. You can't write it down as a win too early because you know there's a lot of football to play between between getting the three points, especially now with the with the new head coach in charge. So it'll be very interesting to see. But I'm not quite as confident as I was, uh, you know, 16 hours ago. Yeah, Ayota Karanko is the man who was who was sacked and been replaced by Boya and um like yeah like you say he's um he's he's left Charlton who were um they were doing pretty pretty well in league 1 weren't they I I think they were up it were they in the, sixth, in the playoffs I think sixth in league 1 yeah sixth in league 1 it's so- it's, it's, a, it's a it's an interesting one and Jordan said this is this suddenly becomes a very tough game I think because they they play Reading tonight which you know we'll probably know how that's gone, uh, you know, not long after this is recorded. Uh, sorry, not long after this is is, is released. Um, you know, he's going to have had less than two days to prepare for that. So, you know, to expect much of an impact beyond kind of trying to impress the new man is 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 probably a bit foolish. But, you know, by the time he faces us, that's going to be his first, they face us, that's going to be his first proper game in charge. So they're going to be, you would assume, have had, you know, a, a few days on the training ground by that point to really to really work on something. I'll be very interested to see what he does. You know, we know what Isaac Aranka was about. You know, his teams at their best are quite solid, quite boring, quite, you know, don't score many, certainly don't concede many, but, you know, weren't really getting that benefit. Birmingham, were they? They weren't scoring. I think they're the third worst attack in the division after Wickham and Sheffield Wednesday and certainly down there for for a pretty wretched defence. Um as well so you know it, it, there's there's easy areas for for him to improve upon the uh quite a quite an eerily dominant team so we're gonna have to watch out for that watch out for the physical 
side of the game again Scott Hogan up front is you know fairly big sort of bulky forward decent in the air and so on and so forth so yes yeah, it, it suddenly it suddenly becomes a, a very difficult game but you know we there's no reason they they're where they are we're where we are there's absolutely no reason that if we play to our maximum we can't you know blow them away in the way we have with Rotherham and other teams that have been in, in wretched form in recent weeks do you think we'll see any changes in personnel Jordan I think obviously we'll be looking at Saar. Um, that's kind of the main one heading into this, isn't it? Um, apart from that, I don't think we'll be looking to make changes unless forced upon us. Uh, I think we've, it's the first unchanged lineup we've had in, well, I think in the Championship this season was the first time we've had back-to-back games with the same starting eleven. I don't think there's too much incentive to change that again, uh, provided everyone's fit. So. I think it really will come down to to those, that issue. If if everyone's fit, then I don't think there'll be any changes. If not, it's most likely going to be Saar that's going to be missing out. And then, as we touched on earlier, that's going to be the interesting one to see how we kind of balance that and and how that affect, affects the rest of the team and, and the make of that starting eleven. You think that would be a, a switch for Gosling with with Zinchenko moving to the right and, and Gosling coming in? Think it would. I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's going to start success yet. I don't think he. Probably is ready. I don't think Hungary is going to get the start ahead of. Um, I, I think it probably looks like an easier switch to kind of move those players around, and you have that natural fit in central midfield, and and you have you know Zinchenko on the right is perfectly capable as his best position. So there's no real issue there. I think the question really for me is, as we touched on earlier again, don't want to try and repeat, try not to repeat myself, but do you want to to lose that creative spark in midfield in a game where it's going to be quite difficult and we've seen both teams before and we've seen Charlton in the championship there they're quite a defensive unit and that's what he likes to kind of play off it. and especially when he's coming into a team that's been struggling I'm sure that's going to be the first thing he's looking to address uh, as usual in those situations and I think we're going to have to be quite again quite patient and, and find space and I, I do think maybe we lose a little bit of that if we take Zinkenegel out of midfield but if Saar's out you've got to put someone there and I think Zinkenegel is the best fit okay great I'm looking forward to it um, thanks again guys that's it that's uh, us done we're out of time uh, thanks to Jordan thanks to Tom they're on Twitter at Jordan Weimer and at TB Burdell please also follow us at Watford Pod it really does help give us a follow on Twitter uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done so that's really useful as well please do that we'll be back again uh, to chat after the Birmingham game um, so yeah until then enjoy the rest of your week and from Jordan Tom and myself it's goodbye for now Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 